We're so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Amen. Well, good morning church. Welcome to those here this morning, those joining us online. Uh, can't be critical of people not wanting to leave the house this morning. What a, I know Crystal said it was a beautiful day and I'm believing her in faith, but um, it hasn't been the most sunny winter. I was blessed, but we were blessed by two days of sunshine. Just to remind us of what, what the sun looks like and its impact on the world. Uh, and then it's gone again. Um, so as Dan said, my, my message this morning is entitled Wisdom for the Wilderness. And so even though last week I said it wasn't a series, this is kind of following on from last week, where uh, if, if you were here or joined us for that message online, I've listened to it since, uh, I confessed um, that sometimes I like Taylor Swift songs, uh, I claim to have climbed a mountain and listened to a podcast about lots of people dying on another more difficult mountain to climb. Uh, and so last week we, we were talking about uh, this feeling of like, oh, I thought I'd be through this by now. Uh, I thought I would be out of the woods by now. I thought I'd be in the clear by now. That's the connection to Taylor Swift, if you weren't here last week. Are we out of the woods yet? Uh, are we in the clear yet? Uh, Eliza actually started to play a bit of that song after we'd kind of all left. And I thought, oh, I missed an opportunity to get uh, Eliza playing that during the message for us all. Um, but yeah, that was the idea that, that we're just kind of in this season for many of us through COVID or, or other things in our life. And I said, even if we've been uh, in that space for, for 90 years, I know that's not many of us, but some of us are getting close to have been able to say that, uh, that there's sometimes this feeling of, I thought I'd be out of the woods by now. I thought I'd be through this by now. Uh, and so last week we just talked about that, that space of having to come to find strength in the Lord uh, in the midst of the woods. And so this week I, I just uh, wanted to reflect on that a little bit more. And there's this idea of the, the wilderness uh, in the scriptures. Uh, this idea of this space that's almost nowhere space. Um, we might think trees and, and, and woods and things like that when we think wilderness. In, for Israel it was more uh, desert or desolate places. Uh, but there's this idea of this space that's not where you want to be. It's not where you were. It's an in-between space. It's often a harsh space, a difficult space. Uh, and so this morning I want to reflect on that, uh, this biblical concept of wilderness. Uh, so in the scriptures we see Israel predominantly in the wilderness uh, for 40 years. They were exiled from Egypt. There was this mountaintop moment, so to speak, before they went to the mountaintop at Sinai and encountered God there. And then they spent 40 years on, on what should have been a 12-hour walk across the wilderness to the Promised Land. There was things they needed to learn and grow in in the wilderness. The wilderness was a nowhere space, but it had a purpose. Uh, but we also see Jesus in the wilderness, not for, for 40 years, but for 40 days in this passage. And, and so many biblical commentators would, would say that Jesus, in a sense, recapitulates or redoes Israel, shows Israel how they should have done everything, including the wilderness. And so, uh, in, in essence, what we want to say about wisdom for the wilderness, the, the, the point number one, the big ticket item is be like Jesus, not like Israel. Follow Jesus' example of the wilderness, not Israel's. And so Jesus in the wilderness, we're told in verse 1 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, that's where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness. To start off with, that's an interesting place to begin. Because I know, like, we have this sense, or I have this sense anyway, of when I have these profound moments with God where I encounter God, I expect everything to be awesome from that point on. Surely everything's going to be great from now on. But in fact, the moment right after Jesus is baptised, the Father's voice says from heaven over him, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit descends on him like a dove and remains on him. He's not elevated to the throne in Rome or Jerusalem. He's driven, some of the Gospels say, is the word that we're translated. Not just led, but driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so we're told that he was in the wilderness for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Now I can't speak from experience, and you can see that I can't speak from experience, that I have not gone 40 days without eating. But I know often if I go 40 minutes without eating, I might get hungry but certainly if I go a day without eating, I might get hungry. And so this must be one of the, the biggest understatements in all of the scripture that Jesus, being fully human, though he was fully God, went 40 days without eating anything and was hungry. This is a very deep kind of hunger. This is beyond uh, the, the pangs of the stomach, thinking it would be nice to have a croissant right now. This is body wasting away, needing desperately to be fueled type hunger. And so Jesus' hunger here also connects with uh, the other hungers that we have in life, the other desires, the other needs, the other things that we're desperate to be filled with in life. This is a physical hunger that Jesus is experiencing in the wilderness, but, but for wilderness seasons like us, often it will be marked by something that we're hungry for that we're going without. And so this, this, this hunger for Jesus taps into the hungers that we might feel. Now, we're, we're so fortunate to live in the time that we live in, in the country that we live in, that, that other than choice, most of us have not had to endure such a length of hunger. And so very often our, our concept of hungry is that I've been 40 minutes, uh, I'd like a croissant right now, kind of hunger. But we do have other hungers. We have you know, other thirsts, other desires that we think, oh, gee, I just really would like that. So at the depth of this hunger, at the depth of this need, Jesus encounters not first the providing hand of God, but the tempting hand of the devil. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And so Jesus was fully human, so he's fully in the depths of very real hunger here, but he was also very much fully God and so very much fully capable. He who was the word in which God spoke all of creation into being was very much capable of turning a stone into bread. He's very much able to satisfy his hunger in that moment. And so Jesus, though, responds, as we know, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Other Gospels record saying that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Jesus is saying there's, there's hungers, there's, there's, there's desires, there's necessities even more substantial than physical bread. But I think Jesus is doing something else here. And this is the wisdom I want us to grasp for our own wilderness seasons, whatever that looks like. Jesus is saying, no matter how hungry I am, unless the bread is coming from the Father, I don't want it. Yes, I could force this stone to turn into bread. I couldn't, but he could. Yes, I could make this thing happen so that I would temporarily be satisfied. But unless it's coming from the Father, I do not want it. And so this is where it connects for our own desires and hungers in our own wilderness seasons. It might not be about bread. We might not be, and not just might, we definitely are not fully God. But there might be times where we can force something into being. We might hunger for things that we make happen that are not really coming from the Father. It might be relationships. We might be lonely and, and we're waiting on God for something and we force a relationship that's not coming from the Father to happen. It might be a job that we know that this thing isn't what God's providing for us, but we force it to happen because we have the capacity to make this thing happen, but we, but we know it's not really from the Father. It might not be through a job, it might be financial provision and, and, and we're just in a moment where we're hungry for financial provision and, and, and rather than relying on God, relying on the Father to provide, we, we seek financial provision through the wrong means. Jesus is saying, yes, I could make that bread, I could make that stone into bread, but unless it's coming from the Father, I don't want it because there are more important hungers than physical bread. There are more important hungers than the desire for a relationship. There are more important hungers than financial provision. There are more important hungers than a job. And so the wisdom I want us to grab for our wilderness season is that unless whatever it is that we hunger for, unless it's coming from the Father, I don't want it. No matter how hungry I am for it. I only want the bread that God provides. Now, I'm not standing as someone who's uh, so chaste in this regard. I know that, that so often I pursue the bread that God's not giving for the temporary satisfaction, but I want to state that over my life to be my reality that I only want, no matter how hungry I am, I only want the bread that the Father is providing. And if for whatever reason in his wisdom he wants me to go 40 days without bread, then I'll wait. Not that I have, but I want that to be my truth, my reality, and I want you to grab that for yourself this morning. That no matter how long, whether it's been 40 minutes, the 40 years that we've been enduring this COVID pandemic so far, whether it's been something over your life that you've hungered for for 90 years, I keep looking at you, Laurie, when I say 90 years, but I want to include you in this. Or whether it's been nine years or a day. I want us to grab that wisdom from Jesus that we would be able to say, I only want the bread the Father's giving. Even if I could have this other bread. So the devil tests Jesus' 
resolve in where he goes to satisfy his hunger. But he also tests his resolve in worship. It goes on in verse 5. The devil led him up a high place and showed him an instant, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. That is just... I'm not going there this morning. I'm just taking a little slide. What a profound thought that the devil led Jesus, the creator of the universe, the holy, the son of God, to a place. Of course, he doesn't go without choosing to follow him, but that's a, an interesting thought. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. It must have been a very, very high place. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so we might remember if we're familiar with the story that, that Israel in their wilderness moment, after they had been freed from Egypt by, by ten mighty acts of God, we call them plagues and they were kind of plagues, but I think you know, we should reconceptualize them as ten mighty acts of God to show his power in Egypt that his people would be released and set free and, and blessed with riches as they went out the door. Yes, Pharaoh tried to chase them down, but that was just another moment for God to show his deliverance for them. And soon after that, they're at the Mount Sinai and and Moses has gone up to the mountain to encounter God and and receive the way of life that his people were were meant to embody. We call it the Ten Commandments, but it was really a pattern of of life with integrity uh, to, to God and to fellow mankind. And so while Moses is up there, the people get a little bit impatient and so they make another God to worship instead. And so Israel's devotion to worshipping the God that had just delivered them didn't last long through having to wait around for a little while. Just waiting in the wilderness. And so Jesus has been waiting in the wilderness. He's also lived up to 30 years at this point and, and he's aware of the knowledge that he is the son of God, that he is the rightful ruler of all creation. But for this season of history, that in a sense, the, the, the authority over the earth has been handed to Satan. We know that in our time, he's, he's around but bound, in a sense, by Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. But, but, but Satan does have an area of authority over the earth. That's why Jesus calls him the prince of the air, in a sense. Uh, but... But Jesus is the rightful king and he knows that's his rightful destiny. But he's lived 30 years as a peasant in Jerusalem. And now he's lived 40 days after this uh, baptism moment, hungry and in the wilderness, in nowhere land. And the devil's saying that if you just bow down and worship me, you can have all of this right now. See, Israel's patience was tested I'm sure a lot was going on in that community, but as we read through it, it just feels like, well, let's just create our own God and worship it. Jesus' patience was tested. He was given an opportunity to shortcut his destiny, to worship Satan, and then it would all be his. And he says, well, no, because here's the thing. It is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, worship is connected here with patience. 
with that question of will we choose the shortcut or will we choose to worship God only when it means taking the longer path? Jesus kind of reflects on this, doesn't he, when he says, broad is the road and easy that leads to destruction. It's, it's kind of wide, it's, path, it's, it's easy, it's quick, it's a highway. He says, narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. That, that in a sense, there's a narrow, more difficult path in a sense, not that we earn our salvation, we trust in Jesus, but, but staying on that path of worshipping God only sometimes takes longer to get to where we want to be. And so in the wilderness, our patience is tested. We want to take shortcuts. And so what we give our attention to is, is ultimately what we worship. And so Jesus gives us the wisdom, reinforces that wisdom for us. And this is what I want us to grab in this space, is that even if it means taking the longer way around, even if it means that we can see a shortcut to the left and the side, we just compromise and, and give our worship and attention to something other than God. Even if that means a quicker route to where we think we want to be, Jesus' wisdom for the wilderness is that we worship God alone, that we center our affection and our attention on Him and Him alone. No matter how big that carrot the devil may want to offer us, He's probably not offering us that carrot, you know, with a pitched fork and goat ears and what I don't know, was it antlers and goat legs? It's, it's, it's probably most of us go, well, of course, if Satan showed up in my life and said, here, have this, and he was carrying his pitchfork, and then we'd be like, no deal, dude, no deal. I worship God alone. But he's smart, smarter and craftier than that. He will tempt us to shortcut, to compromise on our worship of God alone. Jesus' wisdom is that we don't compromise, that we centre our worship and our attention wholly on Him. And so our hunger is tested in the wilderness. Our integrity and in worship is tested in the wilderness. And our desire to trust God, our faith in Him is tested in the wilderness. And so we're told in verse 9 of that, passage the devil led him that is jesus to jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple it says if you are the son of god of course jesus identity is tested in the wilderness that's another thing but he says if you are the son of god he said throw yourself down from here for it is written see jesus is quoted scripture at the devil twice and and won those rounds so the devil's gone oh i'm gonna have a go at this and so the devil says it is written so we can't assume that every time someone's quoting scripture to you that they are speaking truth, uh, speaking the right thing. The scripture can often be used to do the devil's work. Be careful. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so then the devil gave up and left him until an opportune time, which sounds, always sounds very ominous, doesn't it? In that, often scholars will, will see a reflection of the Garden of Gethsemane as the opportune time. But that's not for today. So the devil tries to tempt Jesus into putting God's love and affection and care for him to the test by jumping off a building. 
And so the Greek word here for test doesn't mean just like test your faith, put it, put it into practice, because um, we should be encouraged to test our faith in that sense, to put it into practice, to, 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 to live out our faith and trust God to be who he's claimed to be. But the, the Greek word for test here could be translated to test inappropriately or, or to put on trial. Jesus is quoting a passage of scripture here, which is from Deuteronomy chapter 16, sorry, chapter 6, verse 16, where God says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. So, okay, what was this kind of testing that had at Massa? Was it about throwing themselves off buildings and trusting God to catch them? No, well, in Massa, we read in Exodus chapter 17. Uh, starting at verse 1, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin. That's just a coincidence that the desert in Hebrew had a similar name to what we would call transgressions against God, Sin. It's got nothing to do with a place that they engaged in Sin, though I'm sure that they did. They set out from the desert of Sin, travelling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you, with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So Massa means testing, Meribah means quarreling. And so it's those things, though, that Israel was saying. Why did you lead us out here to die? Is God with us or is he not? And so this is where they get into a kind of testing where it's like, we're going to put God on the spot. Rather than trust, if God hasn't given us water, it's not because he can't. Because we saw what God did in Egypt. And so we believe that he can. And so we believe that he will when he wants to. We don't understand the why, but we're going to trust him anyway. No, instead they wanted to stone Moses, who had been clearly anointed by God to lead Israel. Uh, they cried out to God and was like, oh, we're just going to die in the desert. Would have been better off in Egypt. And I said, is God among us or not? Now, if I was to put my human eyes over this, I'd, be, I'd say, oh, it seems a bit harsh, to be honest. I'm sure they were pretty thirsty. But it's the attitude of the heart to test God. It's this, well, if you're a real God, then I'm going to throw myself off this building and, if you're not, and you better catch me if you're real. If you're real God, then prove it that there's got to be water. 
it does show something of the beautiful care and compassion of God that he does provide them with water. Yet the fact that they tested him doesn't go unchecked, in a sense. See, our relationship with God shouldn't be this kind of brinkmanship, playing chicken with God. That's essentially what the devil's tempting Jesus to do. He's twisting scripture to say, well, if God's real, you can play chicken with him and he'll always catch you. But the scriptures say, as Jesus quotes them, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't put him on trial. It's okay to say, God, I'm really thirsty. It's okay to say, God, I'm really hungry. But that God would call us to not play this game of chicken. God, if you're real, then you must give me bread right now the way I want it. God, if you're real, then you must give me water right now. Are you even here, God, if you don't give me water? Are you even real, God, if you don't give me this? And, and who of us could not confess to at some point in our life not saying, God, unless you do X, Y, and Z, I'm out. It might be just me, but perhaps we've all been there. And so the wisdom of Jesus in the wilderness for us to grab this morning of this is to come to the place that Jesus is and simply say to God, God, I trust you even when it seems like you aren't here. God, I trust you even when it seems like you're absent, when it seems like, well, if God was here, then wouldn't there be water? If God was leading us on this path, if Moses was hearing rightly from God, why, why are we so thirsty? But to trust God even in that moment of going, well, I trust that God delivered us from Egypt, that it's clear that this was the man that God anointed us to lead us out. I'm thirsty. I'm going to ask God for some water because I'm thirsty but I'm going to trust him anyway. To be like Jesus, who's, who's had this, this past moment, very different to Egypt, but this past moment 40 days ago where, where he had such a profound encounter with God the Father. But then he's gone 40 days of essentially, you know, seeming like the Father is absent and he's been taunted by the devil to still be in that place of... Even when it seems like God is absent from my life, I'm going to trust him. I don't need to play chicken. I'm not going to put him to the test. I'm not going to put him on trial. I'm not going to test him inappropriately. I'm simply going to trust. I'm going to cast my cares and my needs upon him because the scripture says that he cares for you. But I'm, I'm not going to do this thing where I say, God, unless you do the thing I want you to do, I'm out. And so last week we asked the question, are we out of the woods yet? And that could represent a, a bunch of things in each of our lives. And for the church, in a sense, we reflected on, on the impact of, of COVID restrictions on our church and, and the ongoing effect of that, are we out of the woods yet? For each of us, it's those, those, those other things. But this week, I, you know, I encouraged us last week to find strength in God in those moments, to, to seek encouragement from the Lord, to fix our gaze on Him. Uh, but this week, I want us to grasp that wisdom for this wilderness moment. 
Perhaps you don't particularly feel like you're in a wilderness moment right now, but, but I want you to grasp this wisdom because there's always going to be wilderness seasons in life, at least in some aspects of our Grasp this wisdom from Jesus. Don't be like Israel. Be like Jesus. You can come up, guys, and learn to be filled on the bread that only God provides. Learn to say over yourself, because we need to declare these things sometimes to to be able to live them out, that if God's not providing it, I don't want it. Learn to worship God when it means waiting patiently on Him, when it means taking the longer route, when it means saying no to the shortcuts. Learn to fix our eyes on Him and to say, God, I'm going to worship you alone. And also, finally, to learn to trust God when it seems like he isn't actually at work. When it seems like, if God were real, wouldn't this be over? If God were real, wouldn't I be through this? If God were real, wouldn't there be water? To learn wisdom from Jesus and to trust God, even when it seems like he's not there. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, as we always should, for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, on the cross. We thank you that his blood shed and the brokenness of his body triumphs over our sin. We thank you that through his resurrection we have new life in him. And so, Father, I pray for anyone who's hearing this, either in the building or through digital media, Lord, I pray that you would work in their hearts. Anyone that doesn't yet know Jesus personally as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would take hold of that this morning. To give their life to Jesus and to trust in Him. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the cross and the resurrection. But we also give thanks, Father, for the life of Jesus that gives us an example. We thank you that he is, as it says in the scriptures, the author and perfecter of our faith. So I pray that you would guide us this morning to be like him. In every moment, in every season of our life, but especially this morning, as we walk through the wilderness. Help us not to learn just intellectually, but to live faithfully the wisdom of Jesus for the wilderness. Father, unless you're providing the bread, whatever desire that represents in our life, we say we don't want it. Unless it's the bread you're giving, we don't want it. Father, we say that you are the Lord our God and we worship you alone. No matter the cost. Father, we declare that we trust in you even when to our senses it feels like you're absent. Help us to live this wisdom from Jesus as he demonstrated for us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. 
Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.